What's up, everyone? Thanks for joining me. I probably sound a little tired because it's uh, 6 in the morning. No, not really. It's like almost 7. On Tuesday, I'm trying to record this before I head to the airport heading to California today. Um, I was going to record this last night after a show, but I, I try to, you know, I've done recordings for podcasts later at night. And for something like, like, uh, like this show where I try to do more thinking, it's just I can't do it late at night. I can't come home from a set you know, half asleep and probably a little stoned and doing, I can't do it. Um, so here we are early in the morning before we head out to the airport here, uh, heading to Los Angeles for about just under two weeks, like a week and a half or so, and then to New York City until Christmas. So going to be busy, still going to be putting out episodes every week. Of course, they're audio only. Um, until I get like a travel camera set up, which I should really get that going before 20. <laughs> I'll get that get that going soon. I got to get that uh, set up before too long here. That'll be my 2022, the start of 2022 project. Um, but anyways, here we go. I mean, IPOs are going crazy. It seems like <clears throat> and a friend of mine texted me this and it's a valid question. He asked about, you know, if you're on like, for example, Robinhood, or I know like E-Trade has IPO access, uh, like Robinhood does, and basically saying like, hey, what what IPOs do you get in on? Like I get emails every, almost every day, definitely every week to be like, hey, this IPO is coming out. Should I get involved? You know, what should I do with it? And it's like, traditionally, I used to think like, hey, if you get in on IPO at an IPO price, go for it and then just do the classic pump and dump sell. Like get in the IPO, let it ride up, sell it. I had a lot of friends who are big Tesla holders who did that with Rivian. You know, we've been talking about Rivian the last few weeks. I have a couple of friends who are big on Tesla who bought a little bit of Rivian at 100 something and they got out of it already at 140. They're like, all right, cool. I'm out. Made my 30 bucks a share. Peace. Um, You know, make a quick few thousand and get out. So, but when it comes down to IPOs, it's like, yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of companies just trying to take advantage of the hot market right now. So you're going to see a lot more IPOs come out at high valuations. I mean, we've been talking about Rivian's Rivian's valuation the last couple of weeks and how insane it is. And we'll get into more of that in a little bit here. But basically, my rule is if you don't believe in the company, like that's, it has to go to that. Like, unless you want to try to, you can try to play the classic, like, pump and dump game where you just kind of get in early enough on IPO and sell it in the first week as it's riding up before it takes the before it comes down and people start selling off their shares to take their profit usually like early investors and founders and things like that um so you can try to it's just hard like I said my buddy did it right with Rivian he got lucky with it um, again, having an exit plan helps like people will get into these IPOs and, and they'll see it right up and it, cool. Let's see how higher it can go. And then as it, they just keep, they just never have an exit plan. So they never make their money. Like I know a lot of people that did that with a lot of these coins, these alt coins that are coming out like, Oh, I had so much money in Doge. Well, if you didn't sell it at 50 cents, you don't have that money anymore. So same with like AMC, you know, when it hit the sixties and the fifties, it's funny. I, I sold AMC in like the fifties, I believe. And AMC will go on a pump. People will be like, Oh, AMC. It's going on a tear. And then I'll log in and look at AMC and it's at like $42. I'm like, it's still $10 below what I sold it at. <laughs> like, uh, Whatever, man. So having exit plans important for those kind of short-term plays. And when it comes to IPOs, in the last year, the only one I really got excited about 
was Airbnb. That's the only one I've talked about. It's the only one that I bought on IPO day. It's the only one I believed in still since. Like Affirm was one I've, I've talked about being on the fence on, and I've talked about why I haven't gotten to that stock, and I, I'm going to double down on that this week. But, uh, you know, Airbnb was the only real IPO that's come out recently that I've been excited about. Other than that, I was just like, nope, I'm okay. You know, there's been a lot of, there's been some high profile ones since then, you know, that I, that I kind of sidestepped on that people, I mean, people were blowing up my phone about them being like, oh, are you going to get in on this? You know, Coinbase, Robinhood, Rivian, uh, was Lucid, all these were IPOs in the last year. And people were like, oh man, you getting on or Poshmark. That was another one that went high and then hit the shit. Uh, these are all IPOs people were very excited about and were very uh, confident in. And I was just like, nope, not touching them. I don't like it. I know Robinhood and Coinbase both surged up until they kind of hit a bottom. Robinhood, I know, is still struggling. Coinbase, I have some faith in just because it, it's crazy how long it's taking for more companies to make like fee-less Bitcoin transactions. And I don't know if there ever will be fee-less Bitcoin transactions. I compare it to like, it, it's just so hard to do the transactions. You're going to have to charge something at all times. Not like stocks where you can eventually get down to a fee-less system. I mean, eventually. I'm sh- there's got to be a way eventually. Eventually. But for now, for the foreseeable future, it seems like Coinbase is going to be safe with that. Like it's kind of tempting to buy some coinbase i just don't want to i don't know what the stock is at now let's look it up real quick Uh, i don't own any coinbase but i've been considering it recently just because of these reasons where i'm like "Ah, it's just too high i wanted it like two in the 200s it's at 345 that's too high for my taste um yeah they shouldn't be a 90 billion dollar company just on buying and selling crypto not yet at least as things get you know, as things progress, sure. So Coinbase is one I, I would kind of want, but not at current prices. Uh, just because crypto's not going anywhere. That's very apparent. Altcoins are going to get even bigger. I think Bitcoin is going to push that 100,000 next year, uh, into next year. So I think that's coming. And when that does, I think we're going to see a lot of the altcoins go crazy as well because, um, you know, a lot of the dumb money is going to come in at that point. Once you hit that hundred thousand catalyst, it's going to be a very big, like emotional catalyst, big, big news story too. So it's going to bring in a lot of dumb money with it. And that's going to surge altcoins and companies like Coinbase are going to go crazy from it. So considering Coinbase, but now it's like Kathy Wood at ARK Invest has been buying Coinbase a lot. And now I almost take the other approach. Like if Kathy goes heavy on a stock, I almost want to be like, ooh, is it something I should be looking at? Like I almost get nervous now when she goes heavy on a stock because some of the moves she's made have been brilliant, but some of the moves she's made have been not so brilliant. And if you look at like, this is why I talk about not being in the ETFs anymore, the ARK ETFs, if you look at their performance over the year, it's not good. Because like, for example, the ARK Innovation ETF, I sold out of that in like February and it's up like, I think it's barely up at all this whole year. And that's got like big stocks in it that are doing very well, like Tesla and Shopify and things like that. But it's being weighed down by companies like Teladoc and Roku and Zillow. These are companies that are just getting absolutely destroyed that Kathy Wood went in on. And even Zillow, I mean, Zillow's heading to $50 a share now. I mean, it's unbelievable. I still have a chunk of it. And I just, I, God, looking back now, I was like, I'll hold it for the tax break or the tax, you know, I'll take the tax loss if I need it. Now looking at it, it's like, man, I should have got out of that stock a while ago because I'm about to, I'm probably just going to lose all my money in Zillow at this point. Whatever, who cares? It's not a lot of money. We can offset it with other stuff, but what a piece of shit. 
Um, I know some people are trying to play the, you know, buy it low and try to get it on the comeback. And you could, but I don't know. Like, as I pull up Zillow now, um, I see an article, Kathy Wood Arc sells off bulk of remaining Zillow stake. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she even's like thrown in the towel. She's like, fuck this stock. This is a piece of shit. Because it is. They got way ahead of themselves. They got a ton of, they got they a huge market cap. They they went into this eye buying thing. They started buying up houses at the top of the market. It all fell apart. Now they're sitting on all these homes, selling them at a, a discount. And they weren't even really making money to begin with. Like, it's a popular website. Like, it's a very popular website, but no one uses it to, to make money. It's like, it doesn't make any money. It was like Twitter's problem for the longest time. It's like, yeah, it's super popular, but who's buying ads on Twitter? Who's doing shit? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, there's some, but there's not, not compared to Facebook and Instagram and things like that. It's nothing. So you look at Zillow, like, yeah, it has, it has name recognition and it has market share in that regard. Like we've all been to Zillow. Have you spent money on Zillow? Have you bought a house on Zillow? Have you given Zillow a dollar? No, no one's given Zillow any fucking money. I mean, there's a few people. I've 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 never heard of someone buying a house, uh, sight unseen, other than like hedge funds that were doing it, and clearly Zillow that was doing it. But other than that, no. And so I can see why this i buying program isn't going too hot. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, moving on. Let's talk about quickly on Rivian's performance so far in their IPO. I mean, it's going exactly as we said it would. I said it would go well over a hundred, or at least you know a hundred plus easily. It did that the first day. I think it came out at like 110, 120. A friend of mine tried to get on the IPO. She had E Trade IPO access, like we've been talking about, getting those, getting in on those IPOs. She tried to get thirty shares, and they gave her two, <laughs> which is hilarious to me because you know they're giving the bigger money. It's like IPOs are just a way to keep the rich rich. I've always said that they're letting some regular investors, retail investors, get in on the IPOs now, but to that degree, like that's what they're doing. Like, hey, we'll let you in on the IPO now. Here's your two shares. I know you wanted thirty, but here's two. Like, that's kind of bullshit because, you know, they're giving more shares to bigger money accounts and mainly Amazon. Like Amazon kept buying more shares. So my friend only got two instead of 30. So Amazon can load up more shares on the cheap. This happens all the fucking time. And it's a sly way for these like big corporations and big money to, to get away with some things because an IPO is a no brainer. If Amazon gets as many shares of stock as they want at 70 a share and it opens at 120, I mean, it's almost a double up out of the gate. So who wouldn't do it? And that's what they were doing. And it's it's something that's it's hard to report on it. It's a much it's easier for them to get away with it. So I'm sure that's exactly what happened. People like my friend not getting as many IPO shares because Amazon came in like, hey, hey, before we uh let's uh, get a little few more of those before we let the rest go out. You know? So uh I think it's kind of ridiculous. Again, I'm sure people you know you've heard this outside of just me, but I've been saying this. Rivian's market cap is comical. Uh, let's do a quick look up at it right now before markets open again. I'm recording this on Tuesday, pre-market. Uh, I'm not looking at pre-market pricing, just seeing what Rivian closed at yesterday. Fucking 150, 149. So market cap of 131 billion dollars, which is absolutely insane. Um, again, I see an article of Chamath Palihapitiya. Defending EV startup Rivian's $110 billion market. Chamath pisses me off. I want to punch that guy in the face. I don't know why, because I feel like he, if you don't know who I'm talking about, look him up. He runs some podcasts. He's a tech guy. Chamath Palihapitiya. Patia? Yeah, that's, I think that's how you say it. Chamath. 
Anyways, I want to punch that guy in the face just because he constantly is like getting behind like these SPAC deals and like he kind of makes his money before the public comes in. He's a classic like he's like the guy that makes everyone hold the bag, right? Like he's the guy that's like, no, 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 this is great. This is a great investment. And it blows up and then it goes to shit and he everyone's a bag holder. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. He's a, he's slimy, dude. I don't like this guy at all. Uh, and so, of course, he's coming out and defending EV Rivian startup of $110 billion because he's probably got some stock in it. And he's got some friends who got stock in it. So he's coming out and using his clout to defend it. When in reality, it's batshit crazy. Now, I know people can talk about Tesla's, te- Tesla's market cap. Like, well, Tesla's market cap is huge and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but there's numbers behind it. It's the number one selling car in Europe. It's the number one desired car in the United States. If they could, if they could meet demand here, it would be the best selling car in the United States. No question. Unequivocally. That's my point I keep making with Rivian. Do you want a Rivian over a Tesla? Do you want an Android over an iPhone? Most people don't. And even that's a better argument. But it's just not going to happen. No one's going to be driving on the Lucid or the Rivian versus the Tesla. It's just not going to happen for the foreseeable future. Um, and it's just insane. I mean, Rivian's 5% of what Apple is now, and they've done none of the work. I mean, they're, 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 they're approaching these market caps that are insane. I mean, they, I think they've put out, like, how many vehicles they've even sold? I think they've literally sold, uh, like, 10 or 12 vehicles. I'm going to look it up real quick because Rivian sold any cars. Uh, let's see. It doesn't even say. I don't think they've sold any. Yeah. Biggest U.S. company with no sales. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, biggest company with no sales. Yeah, they haven't sold anything. I thought they'd at least sold a couple. But no, they haven't sold a single vehicle. They've got a $130 billion market cap. And so Elon Musk came out and tweeted about it this week with being like, hey, great. But if you can't, if you can't produce to scale at profit, it's all a wash. I mean, Elon talks about that all the time, how like a few years ago, Tesla almost went under because they were running out of cash and didn't know if they were going to make it. So this is the problem. This is the challenge that Rivian's going to face. Now, luckily, they get a, they've got a ton of investor money, so they can build a, maybe a factory or two to actually keep up with some of this demand that might be coming. And I, they are going to sell cars, and Rivian's going to make money. But are they, are they worth? Should they be worth more than GM and Toyota at the moment? No, that's crazy. They've 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 not sold a single vehicle. And they've been talking about how it's great, but we don't know if this thing works or not. Like we don't know. Yeah, Rivian's valuation is worth more than Hara- <laughs> Honda, Ferrari, and Fisker combined. I mean, it's crazy. So I know people who are in the stock. I would honestly, if it was me, see if it rides up a little bit more, but I would be thinking of my exit plan already. Like I said, I know friends of mine have already made their exit plan with a firm. They've already sold out, made their quick you know, 30 40% and got out. So again... You want to do it? Fine, but have an exit strategy because long term it's going to be bumpy. It's going to be a bumpy ride. I do think that they have a chance, but again, I'm just going to con- continue to saying it's like I'm just. I'd rather just buy more Tesla shares. The same reason why I don't buy a firm stock yet, and I just keep buying more Square shares. Speaking of a firm, I think we kind of called the bubble popping on that a little bit last week, and I think there's still more room to grow. A firm was surging pretty hard last week, 160 hitting 170. They reported big earnings, but uh, and it was like up like thirty percent after market. And a friend of mine texted me, kind of being like, "Oh, you were wrong." And then the next day, a firm was 
closed under. So it lost all 30% of that in post-market. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, Affirm is now at 147. Uh, hit 176 last week. So, I know that was that was earlier in the year. But it hit, no, it hit 170s last week. Yeah. I don't think it hit all the way to 176. That's their 52-week high. But it hit the 170s last week. And then really just took a shit down to 133. Now it's kind of coming back up a little bit. But I think the stock honestly should be worth 100. Because even now it's a $40 billion market cap, $41 billion cap. And I just don't think a firm is uh, is that level of company with all they're doing is buy now, pay later. Again, Square bought Afterpay for $29 billion. And that looked overvalued. So if Afterpay at $29 billion looks overvalued, what does that say about a firm at $41 billion? And Afterpay was has more as a large has a large customer base i mean afterpay is coming from australia the biggest australian after uh, buy now pay later service has huge customer base now establishing that here in the states um and a firm my, my brother called me last night and was asking about a firm he was like hey you've used a firm and you've been talking about it they're trying to charge me 30 percent interest on a purchase and i was like wait what and he has over a 700 credit score so the wheels are coming off a firm already and i think what might i think what might be happening is what i've been talking about i think they may have been letting more and more customers use their service just so that they could advertise how many users they had without the revenue numbers coming out because they're not they're not making any money they're an unprofitable company they're losing money and a third of buy now pay later services aren't paying their they're paying their services aren't paying their uh their commitments back so a third are in default they're going to have to make it strict more strict on who they're letting use the service and if not they're gonna have to charge interest or in my brother's case charge interest regardless he has good credit and they're trying to charge him interest 30 percent. that's worse than a credit card i thought it'd be like oh five percent ten percent something something competitive so you could beat out a credit card's rate i mean at least a credit card only does 20 still does 24 percent normally the 30 percent the wheels are coming off a of firm already. I'm telling you right now. I should have bought a put contract at 170. I might still now at 140. I'll keep an eye on it. If it rides back up over 150, I legit might buy a put option contract on a firm. Just because I think this is what they're doing. I think they're letting more people use it. It's the classic tech move. Don't think about the money. Think about the user. Think about the customer. Right? So they're just trying to get more and more users. Not thinking about the dollar. Which is fine to a point. It's fine for a little bit. But once those earnings reports starts coming out, the dollar, the things start to unravel. That's why the stock, you know, it, it surged in aftermarket because, you know, retail investors are retarded and probably thought, oh, it's going to be huge. And they all went crazy in aftermarket. But then when the actual hedge funds, and the big money opened up on the next day, they all sold off and the stock closed at a low or closed under what it opened the day before. So I really do think that's what's going on here. Um, and that's probably how I'm going to play it. Uh, I do think that there's there's there is <clears throat> I do like the buy now pay later industry. I like the idea of it, but you got to be smarter with it. And I feel like the way a firm is doing it is like I think they just went cowboy style out of the gate to run their price up, which is hey man, I get it. Not a bad move. If I was a CEO, I'd do the same shit. Run up that price, get that money, and yeah, get that payday. You know. But now it's going to be a little more because again, it's just if this all they're offering is this service, and they're this big of a company, so. Yeah, I'm I'm doubling down on that. I'm gonna keep keep looking at it. Um, might even like I said, might buy a put option on it because I just don't think it should be worth this much money. And I think more and more the the wheels are gonna come off as we see more of these buy now pay later's not collecting their money. And I hope that Square is learning from this as they're watching, as they take over Afterpay, and that becomes uh 
officially theirs next year, first quarter 2022. I hope they're watching and learning from this and being like, all right, let's not do this, not do that. Um, Shopify broke an all-time high, another stock that we talk about a lot here on this show. One of my favorites. I should buy more shares. I just don't because it's such a big, you know, market cap or not market cap, but stock price. It's actually a low market cap comparative to the stock price. 207, 207 billion dollar company for a sixteen fifty, uh, one thousand six hundred fifty dollar stock price. So I think it needs to split. I've been saying that for a while, but a reason why I was going off. Um, they missed on their quarter Q. Th- uh, Q3 three earnings a couple of weeks ago and had a, a a light quarter four outlook. I think a lot of companies are smartly just kind of down, like not downplaying. I think they're smartly saying that they're not going to have everything they need and to kind of like ease everyone's expectations for the fourth quarter. I think it's a smart move. And, and, and uh, because I'm hoping that what ends up happening is, is that like these supply chains do come through and that these companies do make more money than they expected. I think that's, what's going to happen. I, I, I do. I hope at least. But I also do think that's going to happen. I think they're smartly telling people like, hey, don't expect all these numbers to be crazy for quarter four. We don't know. Supply chains are messed up. Labor shortages, blah, blah, blah. Spotify or Shopify was taking kind of a hit because of that. And then they uh, kind of just went on a tear and had massive volume of trades going past their all-time high, which is pretty great because that means it should surge past it quite a bit. Uh, A bigger catalyst for that happening the day it happened it went up over like 11 percent a share when they announced a partnership with linktree so linktree partnered with shopify to allow to allow users to add storefronts on its platform <coughs> excuse me if you don't use linktree um i'm sure you've seen someone use it where it's like that just like that one link in your bio that links like everything it's pretty brilliant it's just a. Uh, a one link that I'll link like your YouTube, your Instagram, your Facebook, your whatever, your store, email list, whatever you want. So you're not putting like 10 links in your Instagram bio because I only let you put one link in there. <coughs> so now you can link your Shopify store. So smart business for both. I love strategic partnerships. Great business for both. It'll help both of them get exposure, help both of them get users, blah, blah, blah. Lovely. Love to see it. Um, let me take my sweatshirt off here it's getting a little warm all right now let's talk about some of our favorites that we tend to talk about earlier in the episode but we're gonna talk about now a little tesla a little nvidia not too much to say about tesla at this time uh oh i just see an article this should be interesting jp morgan sues tesla for 162 million dollars over share warrants J.P. Morgan Chase has sued Tesla for $162 million over a stock warrants contract, accusing the company of flagrantly ignoring its obligation to pay the investment bank after the electric car maker's shares soared. Let's see. I'm trying to see what breaks down. Okay, under September 2018 settlement with the U.S. US Securities and Exchange Commission, Musk was required to step down as chairman and pay $20 million to settle charges. He defrauded investors with false claims on Twitter about the possible go private transactions that was quickly aborted. J.P. Morgan said Tesla sent it a letter in February 2019 complaining that the adjustment to the terms were unreasonably swift and represented an opportunistic attempt to take advantage of changes in volatility in Tesla stock, but did not challenge the bank's calculations. The bank claims Tesla owes it 228,775 shares valued at 162.2 million, which were due August 5th, 2021. Tesla did not respond for comment. 
So this will be one of those things that uh, probably. Oh, this was <laughs> this stemmed from the tweet that uh, on August 7, 2018, when Musk, Elon Musk tweeted, I'm considering take, taking Tesla private at four hundred and twenty dollars funding secured. <laughs> I love that people get in trouble. I love that like someone made an actual move based on that. Like what a, what a dumb like JP Morgan. If you made any moves based on that tweet, you're insane. Like you have to know that Elon's a troll. So I think it's hilarious that they're trying to come and get some money for it. It'll be one of those things that'll take headlines and it might hurt the stock a little bit temporarily, but it's just, it's not going to do anything. Also, $162 million is not that much money in the grand scheme of things for Tesla. So I also thought it was hilarious that Elon was trolling Bernie Sanders because Bernie Sanders was putting out one of his classic tweets of like, we got to tax the rich. And then Elon just replied, I thought, he's like, I, I keep forgetting that you're still alive. <laughs> just hilarious, it's mean, but it's funny. And it also just kind of goes to show, like, look, man, I liked Bernie Sanders. I wanted, I get in what he's believed. I, I, I was all on board for him. He's done nothing. Now, a lot of that's been because the Democratic, part, Democratic Party has ran him over, but he's done nothing except sit in the corner and yell things that'll never happen. He He's the equivalent of, like, you know... <clears throat> The kid who wants all recess for high school president, you know, class president, all recess, lunch all the time. He's like, we're going to tax the billionaires. They're going to pay their fair rate. We're going to tax them all and we're all going to get all the money. It's like, buddy, what world do you live in? Like that? Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds amazing. But unfortunately, we've built a capitalistic capitalistic society that's a runaway train here. And if you want to stand in front of that train yelling, we're going to tax the rich, then go for it. But it ain't going to do a whole lot of dick. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, if you tax the rich too much, guess what? They just won't fucking pay it. You have to tax them just enough that they'll pay it, but not enough that they'll find too many more loopholes. Because that's the thing. That's what they'll do. Every time you try to tax them one way, they'll just move the money elsewhere. They have the resources to do it. Oh, you're going to raise taxes in California? I'll move to Texas. Oh, you're going to raise taxes in Texas? I'll move to Canada. Oh, you're going to move to Canada? I'll move somewhere. I mean, they can just do anything. They can move anywhere they want, build anything they want, do it. They have too much money, too much power, too much influence. So you can't sit there and go, we're going to tax the rich 50%. Fuck them. Good luck. They'll just hide the money. They got better accountants. And they they kind of don't have to play by the rules. So that rally cry is dumb as shit. There's rumors uh, that uh, Starlink would IPO soon. That'd be crazy. Um, I kind of want just SpaceX to IPO though. Like forget Starlink, just IPO to SpaceX and put everything under the SpaceX umbrella. I don't have to buy like all these separate companies. I will if I have to. I will buy Starlink IPO. I will buy, you know, SpaceX if it goes public. But I'd rather just buy SpaceX. I want to buy all these different companies. Um, Nvidia's postings earnings uh, after market close on Wednesday. So the day this episode comes out. Uh, Nvidia will post earnings a day. That day, market close, they'll be posting them. Uh, it's still a no-brainer long-term stock for me. A lot of the price, a lot of uh, analysts are raising their price targets well over 300, even though it's taking a little bit of cool off. Nvidia has ran up like crazy before earnings, but even still, if it beats earnings by a lot, it could still run up because, like I said, a lot of these analyst price targets are still pretty high. This tends to happen. A stock that's really, really hot like NVIDIA will run up before earnings, cool off a little bit before earnings, and I feel like that's a time for more big money to pick up a few more shares. And then the earnings report comes out. It does well. They crush it. Boom, it flies through the roof. I see that. I'm leaning towards that scenario happening more towards NVIDIA. Um, but if they post a regular, like if they don't crush earnings, like if they don't beat it by a good amount, the stock will likely cool off. 
because it has run up so much. But if there is a big earnings beat, which it feels like that's what's in store here, especially if we're looking at other chip makers like AMD and what's been happening with them. So I'm expecting NVIDIA to still be on a pop and to run up. And I think that's why we're seeing more of these price targets. Now, again, could go the other way, obviously, but I'm leaning towards like a 60-40. That's what I'm thinking. I'm 60% leaning towards the popping and running versus the 40%. Then beating earnings, but not as much as they should, and the stock taking a little bit of a temporary cool off because of that. So I'm on the fence between those two. All right, Ty, I'm leaving that click in there because what happened was I just traveled in time. When that went out, I uh, was recording this podcast, what, today, Wednesday? Yesterday morning, before going to the airport, I tried to slam out the whole thing before going. I was like, I'm up early enough. We can get this done so it's out on time um, for Tuesday night, for Wednesday morning. Sure enough, uh, I did not have enough time. So I got about 28 minutes in, realized it. So I put my mic down and had to run to the airport. So here we are back. Uh, I'm in California now. Not that that matters to this podcast, but we traveled in time. Uh, and actually, a couple of interesting things happened between this being, uh, you know, recording yesterday and today. Mainly the one thing I wanted to bring up, since I'm in L.A. and right next to it, the Staples Center being renamed to Crypto.com. That was announced last night. Yeah, last night at 9.05 p.m. L.A. Times. Goodbye, Staples Center. Hello, Crypto.com Arena. I did always think it was funny that the Staples Center was still called the Staples Center because it's like... Does anyone go to Staples anymore for anything uh, at all? At, at all. Uh, but yeah, so here we're looking at look at the article. Staples Center, Staples Center will become known as Crypto.com Arena as part of a new 20-year deal between the Singapore Cryptocurrency Exchange and AEG, owner of the home arena of the Lakers, Clippers, Kings, and Sparks. I know the Clippers are leaving soon. They're going to building their own thing like next year, I believe. But the name will go into effect Christmas Day when they play the Brooklyn Nets, I believe. Yep, on December 25th. But the signage will be replaced by June of 2022. All the you know stuff outside the building and the on top that there's a big Staples Center logo right on top of the building. So all that'll be changed over by summer. So it's interesting. I think it's funny. It just goes to show again, you know, people who are still doubting the validity of cryptos. I mean, I guess it just kind of goes to show like how valid they are to some degree. I mean, again. People say there's no intrinsic value behind Bitcoin, but there's no intrinsic value behind the U.S. dollar when you think about it. Like, it's just a piece of rag paper with dye on it. If you're going to have that conversation, nothing has intrinsic value except food and water and oxygen. So outside of that, who gives a shit? So I'm, not, I'm done hearing that argument because I can make that argument with literally everything except those three things I just listed. So let's move on from that. Anyways, Crypto.com paid $700 million for the naming rights, according to sources familiar with the terms, making one of the biggest names Biggest naming deals in sports history. That makes sense. I mean, the Staples Center is one of the biggest. They play all the huge games there. I mean, it's the late Showtime Lakers. Massive concert. It's L.A., of course. Of course, it's going to be a massive deal. I'm actually surprised it was less than a billion. I thought it would be more than $700 million, if I'm being honest with you. But still, I mean, hey, it's still a shitload. Biggest deal ever for that kind of deal. Um, I just think it'd be funny if, like, this is not going to happen. But crypto is not, like... Some cryptos obviously can fall down and pop, just like stocks can. Some are bullshit, some are not. That's the same with cryptos at this point. And so I don't think the whole thing's going to come crashing down as a market, but it would be funny. The only thing that would make it funny if it did is just the fact that this has to be named, the Staples Center has to be named Crypto.com for the next 20 years. It would be kind of funny if it did all blow up in like three years and it became like 
an askjeeves.com situation and we just had to keep doing that like we had to like imagine if we called if staple center was still called ask jeeves that'd be hilarious right like i kind of would i would be willing to lose all my money in bitcoin for that to happen at currently if i put more in that that could change but at the current moment i think i'd be okay with that i say that now when it happens i'd be like what the fuck um also and i forgot to mention this yesterday before we get out of here cybersecurity something we talk about all the time uh gotta have it in your portfolio i always talk about a handful of companies fortinet crowdstrike uh cyber uh, not, uh palo alto networks i always say uh have one if not all of them i have palo alto networks i don't touch the other ones i think palo alto is the best for a ton of reasons i've talked about them at nauseum but recently uh some Morgan Stanley analysts and actually a few analysts across the industry are finally starting to see what I've been saying about CrowdStrike for a while. I've been saying it's overvalued for months. When you look at the Ford PE and you look at the price of sales, it's almost 10 times what Palo Alto Networks is. And Palo Alto, and that's even after Palo Alto went on a huge run from like 380 to $500 a share. It's still not even close to being over, as overvalued as CrowdStrike. Morgan Stanley finally paid attention and finally noticed it last week. Uh, an- one of their analysts, Hamza Faderwala. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But hey, my name's Holly Borker. My name gets fucked all the time. Deal with it, Hamza. Anyways, his price target's 247 for CrowdStrike. I don't know what it currently sits at. but he And it basically, his whole reasoning was it's a great company. It's just too rich. It's too much money. And that's kind of what I've been saying with a couple of companies. Like, we talked about it with a firm. Like, again, great company, just a little too rich. A little too expensive. Uh, CrowdStrike's having a little bit of recovery today as we're looking. Sits at 265. Uh, he's putting a 247 on it. I don't know what their all-time high is. Almost 300. And yeah, 60 billion dollar market cap. You know, it's 10 to 15 billion dollars larger than Palo Alto Networks. And it th- again, the, s- the stock looks cheaper in comparison, but it's not because they have uh, more outstanding shares. So, hey, cool when uh, some people on Wall Street you know, kind of start saying stuff that we've been saying for a while. So nice to see that. And again, pick if you want to pick up CrowdStrike for whatever reason, you still believe that that's going to be better, go for it. I don't give a shit. Invest in what, you know, you want to invest in what you have the most conviction with because then when shit hits the fan, you'll feel better about it. And you won't be calling me or blaming me or whoever. But from everything I can see, I've been in cybersecurity for, I think, two and a half years now, maybe three years I've been invested in it and just, get, just getting more and more heavy into it. And from what I can tell you, Palo Alto's the move. Um, I think that's about it. Covered everything else I wanted to. Rivian, I think, is finally taking a cool off today. Let's look at that since we have the opportunity. Uh, I think it's taking a little bit of a chill. By the way, the Apple, just a side note, the Apple stock app sucks on Macs and on iPads, whatever. It's just shit. used to be great, but it just sucks now. Okay, Rivian's down like 11% today or something. Still at 150 a share, 133 billion dollar market cap, which is batshit crazy, 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 crazy. We talked about it earlier. We'll keep saying it. If you want to try to make money on the pump and dump, go for it. But it looks like a falling knife right now. So do what you will. Be safe. I would just hey, just keep buying Tesla. Like we say, there's no next. Anytime someone says it's the next this, probably isn't, because it's just not. It's just like I, I'm sick of being like it's the next Uber, it's the next Amazon. No, it's not. Also, Uber is a terrible business. Stop using that as a comparison. Uh, yeah. So let's see Rivian. Let's see. I'm just looking this up. Oh yeah. Sorry, I'm distracted. I'm looking up Tesla's price. It's on a t- it's on a nice run up today. Eleven hundred a share. Sweet. See, like we said, stay in your lane. All right. Bye.